0: God sent his son, they called him jesus he came to love heal and forgive he lived and died shall we pray father in the name of jesus we refuse to get complacent and thank you we thank you for your sustenance we thank you for your deliverance we thank you that you rule and reign in the affairs of our lives we thank you for your love we thank you for the forgiveness of sins we thank you for your kindness towards us we thank you that we can call you our father and most importantly we thank you that you call us your children we pray that may christ alone be exalted in our discussion tonight in the name of our lord jesus amen uh, we thank God for another 24 hours that He has given us to, us to work the works of Him who gave it to us. Because we are not negligent of the fact that there's a season in our life. There's a season coming. There's a night season coming where we will not be able to work. Truly, time is the most precious gift of God, or one of the most precious gifts of God to us. Many of us don't think about gift. It's all about money, but what is money if you don't have time which is indirectly means if you don't have life 1 billion means nothing if you don't have the life to enjoy it but many times you rather focus on the 1 billion (laughs) than the time and the life and opportunity that God has given to us so tonight we are continuing our study hopefully the final part of what we have been studying for the past 4 weeks all the atheram pattern that simply means listen to the other side before judging. Because I just refreshed myself with the scripture in Psalm, I think, 34. That says that many are the afflictions of the righteous. So by default of being a righteous person, there are many afflictions that are going to come your way. So it's very important that we undergo what we are studying so that we don't add to the afflictions that are coming our way. You know, at time in John 9, I believe, the disciples asked him, Master, who sinned? Was it him or his parents? And Jesus said that it was neither, but it was that. Um, the works of God will be performed, so it means that you can be in a particular predicament because of yourself or because of your parents. And I don't want you to overstretch this thing, especially as Africans, where we overstretch things like this. As they are in your great great grandfather, something something something, you're not going into there. But I was like, Look, this situation was orchestrated for the glory of God, like Job's situation was orchestrated for the glory of God. So you're going to have many afflictions, but unfortunately. Many of the ones we experience are because of our own doing. There's this friend I know who has literally never had a stable job, always jumping, moving from one job to another. And by the time I got to know him, one of the first things I got to know was that, according to him, he blamed this, his first wife for his situation. That his first wife was a wage, that first wife was doing this, and and he was giving all the compelling evidence. But not long into my relationship with this guy, I I realized that (laughs) His word may be there, I can't say for sure, but his attitude, he's doing the wrong thing. He's doing the wrong things. And we want to really learn the wrong things that we do. That causes our lives to become so difficult and it looks as though God is not doing the good work in taking good care of us. And we have looked at several of them. In fact, I'm hoping to, well, I'll just, I had a brief conversation with a friend this afternoon about idolatry, And just looking at the situation that's in Europe, I was telling him that I think the biggest idol is not, I think money is there, I think money is there, but I think... <laughs> In my own observation, an idol wants to overtake money, which is the idol of ourselves. We are idolizing ourselves. We are making ourselves God. And that's what's sweeping across Europe. People want to take decisions that are left in the hands of God. We want to be in absolute control, but God is just going to do what he does best, like in the situation of the Tower of Babel. So we are simply perusing the things that we do that complicates our lives. And last week we looked at bitterness. And we looked at the reasonable bitterness, quote-unquote, and the unreasonable bitterness. The reasonable bitterness is the one that Absalom went through. The unreasonable one was Cain and Abel. God gave you the opportunity to bring offering. You didn't bring the right offering. Your brother did. Why are you angry? God gave you the opportunity to go to school. If you did not learn, somebody learned. The person has gotten an offer, has gotten a job, has gotten a promotion, has gotten a scholarship. Why are you angry? the God gave both of you beautiful wives or beautiful husbands. You neglected your marriage. Somebody placed the necessary investment into their marriage and they are reaping the fruits thereof. Why are you angry? God gave you the body, which is your temple, your, which, which is his temple, and you have messed it up. with unhealthy lifestyle. And somebody has taken good care. Of his own, and at a young age you are battling sickness after sickness, yet you are angry at God. That is an unreasonable one. But a reasonable one, quote unquote, is an Absalom situation because it is very reasonable. In fact, it is strange not to be bitter if you are in Absalom shoes. Because your sister was raped by his stepbrother, and your father said nothing about it. The Bible when David heard about it, about what Amnon did to Tamar, he was very angry, but he did not react as Absalom would have expected. And of course cause serious problems for absalom so it's reasonable to be offended in that situation but that is why god emphasizes that the place or the throne or the seat called revenge is for me because i ended up or we ended up last week by looking at the truth that we cannot handle revenge we will always mess it up like we are not matured and skilled enough to met out judgment righteous we would always tarnish it with our emotions with our flesh With our excesses. That's why God said that revenge is mine, revenge not. So Absalom was trying to take revenge and he ended up dying by being shot with an arrow and his head and was on his horse and his head was hung on a tree and you know when we look at our study of bitterness everybody died a strange death as for kings you should go to me too but i'm putting a mark on you Well, if you die you're going to escape the pain in the world i'm putting a mark on you so that when anybody sees you they won't kill you i want you to suffer <laughs> the pain of your action. So we ended with Absalom. We ended with Absalom. And our next person, we are just like a one and this person's own is very interested in in my opinion. This is the one that I believe many of us listening to the podcast. I believe we are good Christians. We are Christians who are making daily efforts to live the Christian life. I believe we are Christians who are making the efforts to sacrifice the flesh daily, to renew our minds, to making the investment, to live for God. And there was a man who was top notch. In fact, when you look at the description the Bible gave to him, my goodness, it's something that you can only envy for. But yet still, the end was terrible. And it's amazing how this, what, what Hebrew calls it, the root of bitterness can cause a devastating effect and i think i said last week that many of these wars we are having is because of bitterness especially when you come to Ghana, many tribes are not or people from certain tribes are not <laughs> allowed to marry people from other tribes and if you look into this story it was because of bitterness sometimes we were offended by someone in this tribe or by that tribe and the person was offended made a vow that he will never allow his child daughter or son to marry somebody from the tribe if you look at um situations and I think we wonder the thehood season the good season, if you look at several of these wars, then you got somebody fell and bitter. and generations after generation people are fighting battles they have no idea about just because of the seed of bitterness that was sown. and god is saying that if you want to enjoy the beautiful life I have for you you need to deal with bitterness in your life because it can mess you up big time. And tonight, join me as we look at this amazing person, amazing person. And it would have been a nice if we all read the whole chapters about it, but because of time, I'll give you all where the juices. Now let's it's in second and it's is connected to Absalom. So he's a partner of Absalom. But let's see what happens. So let's go to Second Samuel 16. And we'll be staying in second Samuel throughout this study. Second Samuel 16 verse 23 a very powerful description of a man it says now in those days the advice Ahitophel gave was like that of one who inquires of God the advice that Ahitophel gave him. Was like one who inquires of God. That was how both David and Absalom regarded all Ahithophel's advice. And as as you know, as I've said several times, let's read the King James version. It gives us the poetic tone to it as we look at this man called. Absalom, you'll be amazed about what you'll find about this man Absalom. Let's look at it in the King James version. It says, And the counsel of Ahitophel, which he counseled in those days, was as if a man had inquired at the oracle of God. What a wonderful description that when Ahitophel speaks, it's as like, though this guy is like Moses. He has just come from spending 40 days and 40 nights with God. He spoke as the oracle of God. Please. Somebody who's still on the one they call top not advice, like if it tells you marry this lady, trust me, <laughs> no power of hell, no scheme of men would able to thwart your marriage. Hey, Absalom, hey Ahito Fell, sorry. The guy spoke with really wisdom, like and you look at the guy actually was undeniable. But what happened to Ahito fell? What happened? Ahitophel. Ahitophel died by committing suicide. So let's look at the end of Ahitophel. They will come back and look at his beginning or what happened in between him. So that's in second Samuel. So we'll be staying in second Samuel between 15, 16, 17. That's where most of Ahitophel's life is now let's look at what happened um in second samuel verse uh, let's look at the death of um ahitophel this is second samuel um second samuel chapter 17 let's see the verse 23 yes verse 23 when Ahitophel saw so that his counsel was not followed he saddled his ass and arose got him home to his house to his city and put his house in order and hanged himself and died and was buried in the sepulchre of his father oh so we look at what happened but i want to just give you the end this is a man who was described to give wise advice but the end of this wonderful man was that he committed suicide what happened in between and i'm I'm, I'm so excited about this because you see this is why i love the bible that but it leaves no stone unturned. So you are dealing with a spiritual man because to give advice for your advice to be compared to the counsel of God. It's like when God gives advice and Aithafo gives advice, you can't tell the difference because both of them are on the same level. Charlie, the guy is deep. The guy is deep. So now let's take a journey. Second Samuel 15. So we will start from 15. I'm Second Samuel chapter 15, on verse um 12. Going. But let me give you the backstory. So last week we ended on the fact that Abs- Absalom killed Amnon after two years, and that tells you how bitterness can lay siege of your heart. So for two years, Absalom was monitoring Amnon, and when he killed Amnon, he was banished from the kingdom. In fact, that's what made things worse because Amnon rapes his steps, David does not do anything. He kills his brother for doing something atrocious. He is rather banished. But Absalom, a very cunning man and a son of David, he finds his way back into the kingdom. And this is the funny thing he does kudita against his father. And a son doing kudita against his father. So one of the things Absalom did was to get the people that were in David's camp and that's some high level betrayal it's, it's one thing to gather your own people and betray your father but it's another thing to be able to convince your father's people to come on your side to help you betray your own father and their father was nobody else but their man David <clears throat> sorry what they call hard guy So let's see 2 Samuel 15 from let's say verse 12 I'll just be reading bits and pieces So now Absalom sent spies throughout so let's have verse 10 Absalom sent spies throughout the tribes of Israel saying as soon as you hear the sound of the trumpet then you shall say Absalom reigneth in Hebron so this was how he was going to do the coup d'etat and Absalom went with 200 men out of Jerusalem that were called and they went in their simplicity and they knew not anything and Absalom sent for Ahithophel the Gileonite David's counselor from his city even from Gilchon while he offered sacrifices ah. Legacy. And the conspiracy was strong, for the people increased continually with Absalom. And there came a messenger to David saying, the hearts of the men of Israel are after Absalom. What a wow. So Absalom is planning his coup d'etat, and he tells our people, actually, when I enter the city, give me fat. oh, hail king of Hebron, oh, hail king of Hebron. And the first thing Absalom did was to go for David's license counselor. So now the question is, why? And you see, I like what the Bible says that like, while you offered sacrifice. So when they were going to call um, Ahithophel to engage in a coup d'etat, this guy was engaged in a spiritual activity. So in our time, this guy was all night, carboying, carboying, like he was having a deliverance service. If <laughs> I to consider most, the most spiritual thing, or he was in a mood of intense worship. And and fellowship with the Father, and as this guy was engaged in a spiritual act, he was invited to join a Qudita group, and he joined. So the question is why, why? And you see, this is why I believe that this Ayo is a is a fantastic representation of us, because I believe for most of us listening to this podcast, we are spiritual people. We are making the effort to live for God. And we are like Ahitophel, we are spiritual. We are not just carnal Christians or baby Christians or natural Christians or whichever identity we want to use, but to a large extent. Because to listen to this podcast demonstrates a certain hunger you have for God's Word and to live for God. So that's why this message is particularly for us. Because for somebody who was as wise as Ahitophel and was still engaged in spiritual activities, why did he join Kodita against the king who was his personal numbered, and now Absalom tells Ahithophel Charlie, I want to do Kodita, so how do you think I should go about it? Now, let's listen to the advice of the one who gives advice like God, <laughs> Charlie. So, let's look at Second Samuel 15. And the king servant said unto the king, Behold, thy servant is ready to do what? So, okay, um, okay. And the king went forth and all his household after him, and the king left ten women which were concubines to keep the house. so when David heard about the conspiracy of Absalom, which was gaining grounds in Israel, David fled. But when he was fleeing, he left some of his women behind. And the king, that's what the Bible said, and the king left talking about David, women, which were concubines to keep their house. Now, Absalom goes to Ahithophel and asks for advice. I want us to just read the advice of Ahithophel. I think that's in the verse so so let's look at what happens in the verse 31 it says so david was now running away and on his way he met a guy who was assaulting him and one of his people wanted to go and strike the guy dead and david was like please don't touch him for all you know it is god who permitted this guy who is no way on my level to insult me. And I that's that's another level about David. But let's look at what David says. So David has heard that Ahithophel has joined Absalom and David reads the prayer in verse 12. And one told David saying, Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. Ah, so your main man, Ahitophel, the man who used to give you advice that made you had a stable kingdom for years as going to join your uh, the, what, opposition party. And look at the verse 31b. And David said, Oh Lord, I pray thee, turn the counsel of Ahitophel into foolishness. Hi! Ah, turn the counsel of Ahitophel into foolishness. I love this prayer. And I know when I was in secondary school, we were all the prayers I didn't even know about the prayer. I remember one time a, a young man was reading prayers and was like, we should pray that may the council of Ahitophel over our lives be turned into foolishness. And I had no idea <laughs> um, what that prayer was but I just liked it. The way it was may the council of Ahithophel be turned into foolishness. And David knew that if Charlie Ahithophel is with Absalom, hmm, he's a sure banker that his kingdom is going to come to an end. So he prayed that the council of Ahithophel be turned into foolishness. Now let's look at the two councils I hate to forgive. The first counsel I hate to forgive when absolutely came to see Establish yourself. So he said that go and take your father's wives, the women that he left, and sleep with them in the public view of the whole of Israel. He'll enter your father's chamber, and uh, from the description that was given, like it was on top of uh, on top of the king's palace. So like it was an open area where people could see and. Look at what was happening over thousands of years ago. This young man slept with his father's wives and concubines in public. My goodness. So the question is: why did Ahitofe give such an advice? This is the spiritual view, though. Charlie, this is Papa Ahitophel, Apostle Ahitophel, Apostle, Senior Prophet Ahitophel, the one who was just giving sacrifice. And this is the first advice you could give. And when did it really established Absalom because it made the people know that, ah, if I can sleep with my father's wives, my father, they uh, forget him, I've cleared him. So it really put fear into David. That's why David said to Charlie, this Absalom guy, because David knew that the only way Absalom could think of such a thing other money must be somebody wise advising him. And when he heard that Ahithophel had joined Absalom, like, ah, I now know why this Absalom is getting smart ideas for So it weakened the hands of David. It weakened the rule of David in Israel. Because for your son to sleep with your concubines in public, he was letting you know that my father surely, as you say, in some circles in Ghana, surely nothing give him. So Ahithophel, this is the first advice. And It works. But then David prays that the counsel of Ahithophel be turned into foolishness. So now let's go to 2 Samuel 16, because they come to give another counsel again. And I think this is from the verse um, 15 following. Now it says, um, so yeah, so the verse 16, verse 21 is the first advice. And Ahithophel said unto Absalom, so 2 Samuel 16, verse 21. And Ahithophel said unto Absalom, go into your, into thy father's concubine. Which he had left to keep the house of the ten women, and all Israel shall hear that thou art above thy father, then thou shall, and then shall the hands of that are with thee be made strong. Because if they can see the way you are sleeping with your father's concubine, they will not be afraid to attack David, that is the king so they spread absalom a tent on top of the house and absalom went into onto his father's concubine in the sight of israel so pornography did not start today <laughs> how can you sleep with 10 women had God in public without shame and this was when the bible says in verse 23 and the council of it for which he cancelled in those days was as if a man had inquired at the oracle of God. like this guy he knew how to kill his enemies so if you're into military look for an item for you win every battle. but now something happens in second samuel 17 now the next um after, sorry the verse 14. now they have heard that David is fleeing and Absalom wants to know what to do so there was an and Absalom calls on Ahithophel and, and Charlie. David is, is lodging in the plains and they want to attack him Ahithophel said Charlie it's a good advice gather 200 men saddle your horse go into the city and go after David and kill him down because the guy has been weak because of his journey you know David was escaping from Absalom and he had some men with him and Ahithophel in fact Absalom already had the idea but he went to cancel Ahithophel Ahithophel said Charlie it's a good idea your father is journey. your father at this age is is very old and he has been journey and his people are not without food or water so attack and strike and finish him very soon but listen to what happened Ahitophel is somebody because of his advice he has never been rejected before so let's look at it in um, verse 1 moreover Ahitophel said to Absalom now let me choose our 12,000 men and I will arise pursue after David that night So now, Aitophel wanted to lead the battle against David. And this is very strange. For somebody, you were his chief of staff. All of a sudden, his son has come to you, and you are willing not just to give up, but you are willing to lead the army to go and kill your master. And he said, I will come upon him while he is weary and weak handed, and I will make him afraid, and all the people that are with him shall flee and I'll smite the king only. Ah, for wise counsel. He said, when they see Ahithophel with 12,000 men, because the people are already tired, anybody run away and leave David, and I will kill the guy soon. And I will bring back all the people unto thee, that's those who escape. The men who seeketh thou, I think they return, so that all the people shall be in peace. And the singing pleased Absalom well, and all the elders of Israel. Ah, wise counsel. And you see, I don't want to appreciate how Absalom is able to rally Israel and the leaders of Israel against their former boss or their boss. But let's look at the verse 5. Then said Absalom, Call now Hushai, the archive, also, and let me hear what he has to say. Now, when Hushai came on to Absalom, Absalom spoke to him, saying, I thought, spoken after this manner. What shall we do after that saying? So, this is what he's saying that I thought first we should attack now. But what do you have to say? Now, listen. Now Husa said unto Absalom, the counsel that Aithophel had given is not good at this time. He's saying that what Aithophel is saying is good. But for this season of life and season in the Kulita you are in is not good. For thou said, Husa, thou knowest that thy father and his men, they are mighty men, and they are shafts in their minds, as they bear robbed of her wheels in the field. And thy father is a man of war and will not lodge with the people behold he is he is hide now in some pits or in some other place and it shall come to pass that when some of them be overthrown at first that whatever he hear will say the slaughter among the people that follow absalom and he is also that a valiant whose heart is like the heart of the lion shall utterly melt all the israel knowing that their father is a mighty man and they that be with the valiant men so he we'll was simply saying that it's not a good thing to attack david one because david is a mighty man this guy knows how to hide in fact there was a time a king was chasing after him. He knows how to hide in pits, hide in caves. In fact, he's a man of war. He knows the strategies in battle. So, you don't even sleep in the town for it to come and attack him. And the thing is that if your people go and they destroy them, it will weaken the hands of the people. It many who are following Absalom go like this guy that we are following. Like, he's not going to be a serial winner. <laughs> because your father is a mighty man. So he now gives an advice. therefore I counsel that all Israel be generally gathered unto thee, from Dan even to Bethsheba, as the sun that is in the sea of the multitude, and thou go out in battle in thy own person. So shall come upon thee in some place, where thee shall be found, and will light upon him as the dew falleth on the ground. And of him and of all the men that are with him, they shall be left none as much as one. Well. Moreover, if it be gotten into a city, then shall all Israel bring robes to that city, and shall draw it into the river until there shall not be one small stone found there. And Absalom and all the men of Israel said, The council of Ahushai, the archive is better than the council of Ahithophel. And look at the next sentence. For the Lord had appointed to defeat the good counsel of Ahithophel to the intent that the Lord might bring evil upon Absalom. So even though this guy's good counsel advice has become tarnished, and we don't still know why Haithafel is doing what he's doing. And we'll soon answer that question. He gave a good advice, that David is tired. Let's smite him now. Me, I'll personally lead the battle. But this guy comes in and says, ah, no, 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 your man, your old guy, he's a man of war, he's a valiant man. He knows how to survive. He has been hiding from King Saul all his life. So let's wait. Let's gather everybody as much as the sound of the sea. And then let's go and attack David. Even if he's hiding in a city, you bring ropes. You block the city's access to water and force them to bring us David. And when you do this, you establish yourself. And the Bible said that. And I Absalom and all the the elders in Israel I said, "No." For the first time in Nahitofel's career as a counselor, somebody's advice was better than his. And the Bible said that for the Lord appointed to defeat so god was answering david's prayer you see this is a a, 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 something small or something by the side do not despise short prayers you know sometimes i think someone like me sometimes we only feel like we have prayed when we have locked ourselves in the room and we have cabood and cabaid and we are sweating and we are i'm hungry and we are tired our ribs are hurting yes i have prayed of course there's a place for long prayers but there's also a place For prayers like, let the counsel of Ahithophel be brought to foolishness. And that's all. I remember one time in the life of the Israelites' journey, when I think Miriam had leprosy, Moses prayed a prayer, Oh Lord, heal Miriam, I pray thee. That was all Moses prayed. It's like Jesus standing in front of Lazarus and say, Father, I thank you that you always hear me. You should, you should learn how to pray short prayers. Because sometimes you're going to write exam, Maybe you have an impromptu interview. It's not like I come to Kabo, Kabe, kaba, and fast. Sometimes you say, Father, give me favor I mean, before these people. Learn the power of short prayers. So you see, David was so exhausted and weary from running after his own life that all he could do was to breathe a prayer. made a counsel of a hit of him we brought to foolishness and God answered his prayer and immediately Ahitophel realized that for the first time in my life my counsel has not been taken now the end we read Ahithophel quickly took his horse he went to put his house in order and he killed himself because this guy knew that if my advice is not taken it means that David is doing something Ha! <laughs> you see this is a truly wise man because this guy knows David he was his counselor for years so he knew that for his good agency, he knew his advice was the best advice. So the only way his best advice could be thwarted was because God was against him. So in quotes, he made the right decision that if I'm fighting against God, I'm in debt There's no need for me to fight. Let me just kill myself. So immediately he realized that for the first time, his advice was not taken. He knew that he was fighting against God not against it. So now the billion dollar question is, why did Ahitophel join Absalom? Because we are not given any indication because all we realize is that Amnon rapes Tamar, Absalom goes um, on exile. he returns, and his he returns, he calls Ahitophel, was offering a sacrifice. And all of a sudden, Ahitophel, without question, he was going to be bribed. He freely decided to join Absalom's camp. And we want to answer the question, why did Ahitophel do that? Second Samuel. 23, it's a very interesting discovery, 23 verse 34, for this portion of scripture, I would really appreciate it if you could get your Bible or open to it and, and, and look at what the Bible says even if we despise the genealogies we are giving, but let's look at Second Samuel 23 verse 34, I read El Philat, the son of Abshabai the son of Mahaltitite Eliam the son of Ahitophel, the Gileonite, <laughs> Don't worry about the names over there. The main thing I want you to see is Eliam or Eliam, the son of Ahitophel, the Gileonite. And you remember we read this Ahitophel, the Gileonite. Somebody from Gileon is a Gileonite. You no, know, I know these are the parts of scripture that I myself I hardly ever read it. But we are told that Absalom had a son called Aliam. Very interesting. So Absalom's son is Aliam. Why are we giving this? Now let's go to chapter eleven. So we are still at second Samuel, but now scroll back, or turn back, or flip back to chapter eleven, verse three, and look at this wonderful revelation here. Let's start from verse two. So verse one, you know, the kings are going for war. David decided, Charlie, my breath, I won't go for war. And verse two, and it came to pass in the evening time that David arose from his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, you saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. Verse 3. And David sent and inquired after the woman. And one said, Is not this Bathsheba? Listen to this. The daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. (laughs) Listen. So who is Bathsheba to Ahithophel? Bathsheba was Ahitophel's granddaughter. Mercy, <laughs> because Bathsheba's father is Eliam, and Eliam's father is Ahitophel. Mercy. So when. David decided to destroy somebody's marriage. It offended Ahitophel and it's very fascinating. is in chapter 11 and for so many years after this incident, Ahitophel was still serving David faithfully. All he was looking for was an opportune time to pay back what David did to his granddaughter message. This is very deadly. You see, this what makes bitterness very deadly because Ahithophel was still giving good advice. He was still praising God, serving God, loving God, offering sacrifices. But in his heart, he harbored bitterness against David because of what David did to Bathsheba, who was his granddaughter. He destroyed the marriage and the beautiful home of his granddaughter. So every day that Ahithophel would go for council meetings, council head of council states or head of council meeting, then they are giving advice. Should we invest in tourism or should we invest in our roads? And I need to follow good advice. Let's take money from tourism. Let's invest in tourism and you can give us a good um, a good report. And that money we used to develop roads. And let's go into maybe the sports. You know, sports, if we you take young people from age 16, by age 18, 19, 20, they're able to sign a professional contract. And if they sign a $1 million in, in Ghana cities, like the guy was giving good. But all this while he was serving, they David. He will go to David, give David a budget and have uh, prepared the budget for le- next year, then they will be discussing. All this time that Ahithophel was saving David faithfully, the root of bitterness of what David did to his granddaughter was still in his heart. That is why he gave the advice, the first advice he gave, that go and sleep with his David's wives or David's concubines So Ahithophel was taking revenge because of their bitterness harbor in his heart against his master David. May God heal us from bitterness. You see, because you can be a good person of us, you are bitter against your parents. Maybe your dad neglected you. Your mother did not do anything when your father was raping you, when your uncles were raping you. Like, she just kept quiet and you are harboring this pain inside your heart. For years, you call your mom, you check up on her, you send them money but there's this pain that you are still holding on to. This anger that you are still holding on to. You go to church, you are in the prayer wing or prayer department, you go for evangelism, you are serving the Lord, making every effort. But the pain that your father caused you, your mother caused you, your employer caused you, your friend cause it's still in your heart and you see as long as you don't deal with it it is just waiting for an opportune time to show up and let me just deviate here again almost every wahala if <laughs> you even know the of wahala you can every trouble david faced was because of Bathsheba. so you see that's why we should not despise the effect of sin because everything that david suffered 90 percent of what david suffered when he became king was because of Bathsheba. So he did not just steal Bathsheba, they still made him a murderer. It cost, that what divided his family, just because of one act. So see, that's why you should not take sin lightly. Oh, one act, one moment, Don't that one moment can be. And David went through hell because of what he did for Bathsheba. To the extent that God had to send prophet Nathan to come and rebuke him. And the son died. And it became a whole mess. Throughout scripture, there are two main crimes or sins, if I should say. Two main ones David committed. One was counting his army. That's just showing that he now had confidence in the number of his people in his army. Than the fact that God gives him victory. But then one, it caused lives to be lost, an angel he chose between um, falling into the hands of his enemy or falling into the hands of God. But then when an angel came to sleep, people and David offered sacrifice. And that's the famous one in Psalm, 2nd Psalm twenty-four twenty-four, 24 I will not offer unto the Lord anything that does not cost him. Immediately he offered a sacrifice. The angel stood still and stopped. So that was the immediate effect of David's action. But what he did with, with Bathsheba is what led to almost all his issues at the latter part of his life. Don't take sin for granted. Sin is spiritual. So you may be stealing money from your employer and nothing is happening. Like There's no, like what will happen? You won't won't lose your breakthrough or anything, but you are sowing seeds that you are going to reap. And even though God was always covering David's back, David still suffered the consequences. So like in this case of Ahitophel, if Ahitophel had left their revenge into the hands of God, God would have revenge for what he did to his granddaughter. God is not endorsing what David did but He's saying that you are not skilled enough to handle revenge. Let me handle it. But this is the scary part, that despite Ahitofel's spirituality, he harbored the pain David caused his granddaughter. Don't allow bitterness to poison your spirituality. Release bitterness from every corner of your heart. You know, one day I was just, in fact today, I was talking to a friend and a friend just reminded me about how one day I was having a special occasion in my life and I invited my friends. And in fact, I had a limited opportunity to invite people. So it was like, I had, I think, about 10 slots to invite people. And out of the 10 people I invited, only two showed up. And what hurt me? was well, not the fact that 10, 8 people did not show up but none of them had the courtesy of taking their phone and saying oh something came up oh this happened so I could not come all of them just did not show up and I was really angry about it so I decided to ignore that I said no so I missed it, each of them and all of them gave me a and I'm like why didn't you just inform me because you knew that I was preparing for your coming and I, and I, was, I was so happy. But I totally forgotten about I thank God so they for the grace to let it go. So I and my friend were having a discussion. The person reminded me, hey, do you remember what's happening? I said, ah. And I was amazed at how, even though I'm not, I'm remembering this, I'm not, there's no pain of remembering it because I would have said, okay, you two, when you come to to your special location, I will mafia you. No, 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 no. Let go of bitterness. Do not hold grudges. And sometimes you can even hold grudge against God. There's a guy, a psalmist called, in psalm 73 let's just quickly look at psalm 73 as we see uh, how you can be better against god so in psalm 73 the psalmist is complaining that just like god is not doing a good work. so in psalm 73 he said the verse 2 follow We say that but as for me my feet had almost slipped i nearly lost my foothold. and said i nearly backslided charlie guys <laughs> Somebody said, guys, I nearly backslide. Why did he nearly backslide? He said, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are fine and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their nakedness. They clothe themselves with violence. So you look at this guy. This guy has a reasonable reason to be angry with God. So it's like, excuse me to say, let's say an African politician, you have know, maybe a president has ruled a nation for 50 years. This guy is not dying. These guys keep destroying lives after destroying lives. And despite all all that is doing, making arrogant comments, maybe destroying the church, this guy is still comfortable. And for 50 years as president, he's still there. We look at a politician making arrogant comments, displaying gross lawlessness. But yet still, their children are thriving in the best of schools. Their marriages are sweet. They are all Muslim they wouldn't even marry one person. They have like seven ladies. They are, whether they're married to them or not. They are, listen, verse 5, they are free from all common human burden. They don't pay school fees. They don't pay bills because government pays their bills. Government pays their, their children's fees. When they are sick, the government will fly them to Dubai or Qatar or Cuba for quality health service. Like, there is no problem with that. And the psalmist is saying that, no, 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 no. When I considered how the wicked are prospering and the arrogant are enjoying life, I nearly backslided. I said, no, God, there must be something up." And so sometimes you can even be bitter against God, because it looks like you were living your best life as a student, but the lady who was sleeping around, as we see in Ghana, left right center, is the one who has gotten a very decent man to marry her. And now they already have twins. And you look at your life, you have been living for God all your life, and you are almost 35, <laughs> or whichever age. And there is nothing like a good man coming way. The few times you decide to give dating a try, you fail in the hands of terrible men and you are angry against God. Maybe you used to learn and you graduated the school with a first class. And all you, you were the highest, you were the valedictorian by your friend. Maybe you read um, um, law or telecom engineer. Your friends are all in the big telecom organizations. And as for you, you can't even get a job there. Maybe you have been forced to do in a job, maybe you don't want to do, maybe you are, what, I don't know which other job before, and you feel like these are people that were way better than in school. And you were not just better than academically, You were faithful to God. And you look at how the fact that five years after school, they are all married, they have cars, and you are here still struggling with public transport, you can't even afford, and we can get away. You look at their status and every day, they are traveling one part of the country, having a weekend trip, having a barbecue, going for this. You can't even afford to buy yourself ice cream because if you buy ice cream, you spoil your budget for the week. (laughs) And you have to fast two days to replace the ice cream and enjoy mercy. And you feel like you are bitter, even against God. But God is saying, let go of bitterness. You have served in the church. You have served in an organization. You have sacrificed everything for your children. And they can't even pick up their phone to call you. On your birthday, they all forgot. God is saying, let go of bitterness. Because the the bitterness will simply just give an opening to the devil to invade your life. And before you realize, you are either dying like Absalom who was hanged on a tree. Or was caught by the branches of a tree. Or you are dying like Ahithophel who committed suicide. Or your life is miserable like Cain let go of bitterness i know with hurts fasting, especially when you're a good christian you're not being a hypocrite like you are genuinely loving god and people who believe their buffoonery in life seem to be the ones living their best life and you can't even afford to go for a friend's wedding because of cost of transportation because if you should go that weekend, the money you spend that weekend is just going to erode your salary. And you are just literally from hand to mouth. You don't have is, no love, no money, no nothing. <laughs> and you feel like you are bitter against God. God is saying, Let go of bitterness. Because I'm going to do a quick work in your life. And it will amaze those who look at you. I feel like God is speaking to you when He said that for your trouble, I will give you double. God is saying that for your ashes, I'll give you joy. For your ashes, I'll give you beauty. For your pain, I'll give you joy unspeakable. He's saying that let the barren rejoice because you are going to carry forth seven. I feel like God is speaking to somebody who feels bitter that God has not come through for him or her God is saying that if I did not behold Jesus, I am not going to behold beautiful things from your life. Let go of the resentment. Let go of the fact that this your friend is marrying before you. I mean, you've been married before a friend, but you cannot have children. And this lady who has committed several abortions is still being able to carry a child to turn, and you are bitter. God is saying that He's about to wipe away every tear. He's healing every brokenhearted. He's giving sight to the blind. He's giving freedom to those who are bound. God is saying that your days that are coming will be full of laughter. God is saying that I've taken away the reproach from you. Because you have given a place of revenge to God, He said that I will clothe you with beautifuls. People shall see you and see the beauty of God in your life. God is speaking to someone here. He said that I'm not going to restore, but I'm going to make you whole. So it's not just about healing you from your infirmity, but whatever your infirmity took from you, those golden years your infirmity took from you, I am restoring it. That's wholeness. I feel like God is speaking to us tonight. He is saying that even as we let go of bitterness, God is making you whole. I know what Amnon did was wrong. I know what Cain did was wrong. What your mom did was wrong. What the church did was wrong. What your husband, your wife, your boss, your organization, your children, your very close friend, what they did was wrong. But God is saying that revenge is mine. He is saying that do not be overcome by evil, but overcome with evil. With God. God is saying that beautiful, beautiful will be the description of your name, of your life. Beautiful, beautiful will be the description of your life. Open your heart to receive of God. Open your heart to be transformed by the power in God's word. And God said that even as you let go, because you trust in me, even as you let go of the resentment, the anger, the hate, the frustration in your heart. I am healing you. God is healing us tonight. God is mending our hearts tonight. God is making us whole tonight. He's saying, trust me to let go. He's saying, trust me to let go. Let's go. I know what your uncle did was terrible. Let go. I know your husband robbed you of your beautiful years and is now going after younger ladies or whichever ladies. God is saying, let go. Allow God to heal your heart. Even us to have a moment of silence. God is healing your heart. God is pouring on us the oil of gladness. He's giving us the garment of joy. God is healing us. He's even taking away the scar from your heart. He's taking away the scar from our hearts. He's taking away the death from our hearts. He's taking away the reproach from your heart. Father, we thank you for an awesome time in your presence. We thank you for your word. Even though it is are always ever fresh. Divided ascender of spirit and soul. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray for your help to let go. Lord, help us to let go. In Jesus' name. Amen. Wow. We thank God for a solemn time in His presence. And I'm just believing for some of us, maybe we have not really experienced this degree of hurt. But the answer is that offenses are sure to come. And I believe for some of us, God is using this message to transit you. is changing your life to your obedience to his word. And for some of us, God is preparing us for that day of offense. That day when David will take your granddaughter. Oh, are took him. You not allow bitterness to pollute your spirituality. We appreciate your presence with us for three years. We appreciate your contribution and we really, really appreciate it. And every week we make the effort in coming to renew you our minds, to have discussions with God through the pages of Scripture. Remember, we are still giving God our very best, and we are only doing nothing but love. See you next week, even as we begin another series. Hopefully, to be a short one. God bless you. Bye bye.